Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Jeff Kinley, spelled K-I-N-L-E-Y. We talked back in July about a book he published in April of 2021. title of that book is Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis. Very timely book. We still seem to be going through that crisis, but we're going to talk today about a book he wrote back until 2016. The title of that the shorter title is Greater, the Brandon Bulls, Burlesworth Story. Uh, but the subtitle of that is The Incredible True Story of the Greatest Walk-On in the History of College Football. So this is kind of going to be kind of a sports-related story, but a very inspirational one, though. Uh, Jeff has also published 30 books. His weekly Vintage Truth podcasts are heard in over 80 countries worldwide. He's also a graduate of the University of Arkansas, which ties into the story, and the Dallas Theological Seminary. His website is jeffkinley.com, and for a list of the books that he's written, or some of them, I suggest you go back and listen to the interview we did about his book, Aftershocks. But again, this book is titled Greater, and we're going to talk about that. So, Jeff Kinley, welcome to the show. William, great to be with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard your our last show, can you talk about kind of your the arc of your uh, publishing and your books and what led you to write this book, Greater? Yeah, well, I began writing books back in the, the 90s. I was a youth pastor at a church and began searching for Bible study related materials for my students. And I really couldn't find anything that I thought was uh, deep enough or that really kind of met the need of helping them be disciples for Christ. So I just started writing my own materials and um, at that time submitted those to a publisher. And that became my first series of books, discipleship books. And from there, I began to write more Christian life-based books. And then uh, actually around 19, um, around the, the end of the 90s, I began to work with various Christian artists, uh, musical artists uh, like Mercy Me and people like that to help them write books. And so I just began developing a writing career. And it's very interesting because this particular book we're talking about today, uh, the, the new updated version was published in 2016, but the original book, was actually published back in 2001 under the title uh, Through the Eyes of a Champion, the Brandon Burlesworth story. And it was a very interesting series of events that kind of led up to this. I was uh, living uh, in Alabama at the time on the coast and at a church down there. And I had previously gone to the University of Arkansas and, as you mentioned, Dallas Seminary. And I've lived in Arkansas many years. But the years that Brandon was playing football at Arkansas, I was down in Alabama, and so I didn't really know about him. Honestly, had never heard of him, although ironically, we were in the same room together at a, at a, um, a senior bowl prayer breakfast for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, where they played the senior bowl. And ironic that just two years later, uh, he would be gone from this earth and I'd be writing his biography. But um, yeah, so I moved back to Arkansas in uh, 2000, and my father-in-law suggested that I check into this young man's story because it was so extraordinary. And uh, I, again, I just did research. There there had been a huge Sports Illustrated article written about Brandon and his life and his legacy. And so I researched that, and I just said, you know what? This is really a movie. This needs to be a movie one day. Uh, but I said, I, I would love to write the book. So I approached his family. I just looked them up in the phone book and called them up. Uh, they live up in Harrison, Arkansas. And and I called them. I said, look, I would love to meet with you about uh, possibly writing your son, your brother's story. And um, so we had a meeting and we talked about it. And I just laid out kind of my vision for the book and the story and how 
I really wanted to highlight his Christian faith in the book, uh, which uh, there were some other writers who'd approached them that may not have done that as much. But uh, bottom line is they said, yes, I found a publisher and uh, spent the next six months just traveling the country, interviewing people, uh, the Indianapolis Colts and uh, their whole organization up there, Arkansas Razorback organization, former coaches, players, you name it. Uh, and then put all that, compile that all together into the book that we now have called Greater. Gotcha. And so this started way back. Can you just go with really the foundation of Brandon Burlesworth's story and his background and what led him into football? Yeah, it really is one of these stories. When you tell it, people go, oh, really? That That's like a Disney movie. You made that up. Now, here's this young, uh, overweight, shy kid who's growing up uh, in a broken home in a small town, in a small state. And uh, he just has this desire to one day play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And so he goes out for his high school football team and he's just basically a chubby kid and, and, but has a lot of desire. Uh, he has an older brother, uh, Marty Burlesworth that, um, who, who really invested in him and took the time to sort of be a father figure to him, be sort of a coach to him. And, uh, he ended up helping him develop some of the, uh, the skills and the work ethic uh, that would later come into to really serve Brandon in his career. But um, he just set his mind. And that's one of the things that that I bring out of the book is that Brandon was a very goal-oriented young man. I mean, he basically achieved every single goal that he ever set for himself. And I've never met anyone like this. Uh, but he was, um, some people called him OCD. You know, he was obsessive compulsive about things. He parked in the same parking place in college for for four or five years in a row, he used the same bar of soap, the same pencil. I mean, just everything was in its place. And so that's why, you know, his death was such a shock to people uh, because that was the one thing that was out of place uh, in a man who, young man who lived by everyone's estimation, almost a perfect life. Right. And I mean, his, he had a certain character that led him to his success. Like he took the right steps constantly in, in like almost step by step by step led him to his goals and he wasn't uh he wasn't set out to be what he became initially right right exactly when he decided that um after playing high school football he wanted to to get a scholarship somewhere and he really didn't get many offers he got i think an offer from army and then one from another small school and uh people urged him to take that offer and he said you know what i don't want to do that i want to play for the arkansas razorbacks so through a series of, of events, he was able to get what's called an invited walk-on status, meaning, or excuse me, invited tryout uh, to walk on the team. And so, whereas other people can't just come, show up to the stadium, he actually had an invitation to do that. And uh, so he did that. And, and so he made an impression on the coaching staff there, but, you know, they basically said, hey, you're, you're big, you're, you're, you know, you're overweight, but if you want to make the team, then you're going to have to to lose some weight. And so, Brandon just said, I'll do whatever it takes to do that. And they said, well, we have to, we have to drop some pounds on you. He was up about 305, I think at that time. And so through diet, through exercise, he dropped about 50 pounds in, in just a couple of months. And uh, he came back to him and he says, all right, now you're, you're, you're lean enough, but you're not heavy enough. And he said, let's, let's put the weight back on again, uh, but let's do it with bulk and with muscle. And so he, he bulked up to like 311 pounds. He was six foot three. And so that was, but that was who Brandon was. He was one of these people. He had a, he had a real tunnel vision on his goals in life. And he just figured that, you know, if, if God had put something in his heart to do, then he should give 
100% to it and not give up until he achieved his goals. Right. And that was, I think you, in the, there was a current of faith through the book. He was in Assemblies of God, I think, uh, devotee. And can you talk about how his faith influenced kind of his trajectory? Absolutely. Uh, Brandon was was very committed to Christ and had become a Christian at an early age. And, you know, he had a uh, a real simple approach to his Christian life, which really we all should have. But again, just very focused on Jesus. And what that did was I think that gave him the power and sort of the motivation and the perseverance to continue to pursue his goals when other people may quit. And it wasn't just a personality driven sort of thing. I mean, Brandon believed that God wanted him to achieve these goals. And so he was uh, faithful to his church. He's faithful to his taking his mom to church. In fact, that's what he did uh, every Wednesday night uh, while he was at college. He would drive the 45 minutes from Fayetteville, Arkansas, back to Harrison to pick up his mom and take him to church. And I've been to that church. I've, I've spoken in that church many times and uh, even attended church with his mom there shortly after uh, the book came out. But um you know, it's just kind of one of these things where uh, his faith informed everything that he did. He believed that to be a better football player, he needed to be a better Christian. To be a better son, he needed to be a better Christian, better brother, better student. And, of course, he achieved his master's degree before leaving uh, the university there, the first uh, football player to ever do that. So, um, so yeah, just everything about his life was so extraordinary. And his faith in Jesus and his, his commitment to the Word of God was, I believe, the thing that really fueled everything else that he did. Yeah, and I think you wrote in his book, like when he graduated from high school, he was six feet tall, and the position he wanted, you know, those guys are 6'5", 300 pounds. So something morphed and happened uh, when he was in college. I mean, can you talk about how his, how he tried from his walk-on status, what developed from that walk-on status at the Razorbacks? Yeah, he made such an impression on the coaching staff that they they actually uh, invited him to have a scholarship. They offered him a scholarship uh, to the to the University of Arkansas, and of course, that was one of his goals. And uh, he got that goal, but then he said, "All right, now I want to make first string on the team." He made first string. He said, "I want to be all SEC, all Southeast Conference." He achieved that goal. Um, he went on. He, he said, "I want to be all American." He achieved that goal. And he said, I want to be drafted by an NFL team. And he achieved that goal. I mean, it's just, again, just everything about his life was just so incredibly outstanding. But, but you know, these things don't happen by accident. You read the book and you go, okay, you know, he achieved all these things. But this meant daily work for him. It meant, you know, doing the dailies. It meant being committed every day. It meant saying no to a lot of things that a lot of his football friends were saying yes to uh, in terms of his schedule and his time commitment, his sleeping habits, uh, his study habits. Uh, one time, uh, Coach Houston Nutt was leaving a coaching meeting late at night in the athletic facility there at, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he heard a noise over in the corner, over in the dark. And uh, Brandon was an offensive lineman. Of course, offensive linemen have certain steps and shuffle moves that they do on every single play. And he turned on the light, and over in the corner, this huge you know, workout facility was Brandon. And he was over there in the dark practicing his footwork and uh, Coach Nutt said, Brandon, what are you doing here? It's 10 o'clock at night. And, and Brandon said, well, Coach, you said if we all work really hard, then we could beat Alabama this week. And I'm just wanting to do my part to work hard. And Coach Nutt said, you know, I knew right then we were going to beat Alabama because of seeing what was going on in this kid's life. Sure enough, they did. Uh, they went on to be 8-0. and They were uh, ranked very high in the country at that time. And, and uh, had they not lost to Tennessee on, on really one play, 
of the game, uh, it's very likely they would have gone to the national championship. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, he's part of the system who's a walk-on. And, I mean, there's that long tradition of great Arkansas players. You talked about that in the book. I mean, he so he became kind of in that sports pantheon there at Arkansas, right? Yeah, he really did. In fact, uh, they ended up retiring his jersey. They've only retired one other jersey in over 100 years of Arkansas football. Retired his jersey. They enclosed his locker in glass, uh, kept his locker exactly as it was. His shoes are in there. A copy of the book is in there. His jersey, his helmet, his glasses, his signature glasses are in there as well. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting because he got so much press because of the glasses because he, he, when he had contacts, he said that his sweat would run down in his eyes and he couldn't see very well. So he chose the most utilitarian, you know, piece of glass or, or a set of glasses that he could. And they just looked real nerdy, kind of old Drew Carey, kind of Superman kind of glasses. And, and yet they worked for him. And uh, it's very interesting because those glasses really became his signature piece and in time, it really became really a symbol of who he was. I mean, someone who walked with great humility before God. I mean, he wasn't a perfect guy by any chance, uh, any stretch of the imagination, but he walked with great humility. And those glasses just uh, just added to his persona. Uh, he, he was rumored to say when he uh, got to practice, when he got to a football game, he strapped on his helmet and pretty much kept it on until the last whistle was blown. And so, again, just a, a young man of incredible commitment. Right. So it's not even just like this glass is symbolized, not just the football, but his uh, studiousness, too. It's pretty interesting. He was really kind of uh, he wasn't a singular. Like, he was a multifaceted character at a very early age, I think. I mean, pretty remarkable in his uh, sensibilities. I mean, can you talk about his academic career, too? I mean, you said he had an MBA before he graduated, right? Yeah, he did. He got his master's before he graduated. He had a, he, I can't remember what his exact GPA was, but it was amazing uh, for someone who's who's playing football every day. And uh, and his study habits, his roommates would say, you know, Brandon would commit to his studies every night and he'd be in his room when they were out partying, and, you know, and the rest of the, the dorm, he's in there studying. And so, but he knew that's what it took. He knew that in order to to craft the the champion that he really wanted to be, that every area of his life would would have to be in order. And Brandon was a person of great order. It's, it's, it, for him, his family needed to be in order, his his personal life, his friendships. And, uh, you know, people teased him. He They, you know, they jabbed him and, you know, scoffed at him a lot and, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it didn't really bother him. He just kept on because he knew that, you know, you guys may not make your goal, but I'm going to make my goal. And, um, you know, when he went to the um, to the Indianapolis Colts training camp, he was drafted in the third round and uh, went to the training camp. And I flew up there and interviewed the coaches, uh, the offensive line coach there that talked. He said when Brandon got here, he says it was just like the whole atmosphere changed in the Colts organization. He said, we, we don't get guys like Brandon, but once every five, 10 years, maybe one person will come along. But he was a yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Kind of guy. And uh, I remember one coach, uh, coach, I think it was Coach Mudd, said, uh, Brandon, we're all adults here. Uh, you can call me by my first name if you want to. And Brandon's response was, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm right. glad to do that. And so, uh, but he, you know, I, I had NFL coaches that were basically breaking down in tears uh, in the interview. He was just with them for 11 days. And yet wow. the impact that he made, I interviewed the players in the locker rooms and and uh, they too just said, man, he just made such an incredible uh, impact on our organization, just his character, 
his presence, uh, you know, just being in the room, his work ethic. And they told him, Brandon, you're going to start as a rookie for our Indianapolis Colts team on, on uh, opening day. Uh, unfortunately, that day never came for him. Right. So he, I mean, it's tragic because here's a walk on, goes through, how, I, don't, I forgot how many years he, he was at Arkansas for, but got, got drafted in the third round. Can you talk about the transition from college to the pros for him? Yeah, what was interesting was Brandon kind of never missed a beat. I mean, he was uh, someone who would would stay at the university, would continue to work out there every day because he's training, you know, for the for the Colts organization. And so for him, it was it was just another day. And he got up and he would go to you know go to his work and and do his workouts and continue to do what he needed to do. And they were in the process, I believe, of negotiating a contract and that type of thing. But he just looked forward to the day that he would get to uh, to Colts training camp and. Of course, you know, again, once he got there, he just blew them all away. But that was the thing about Brandon. Of course, I, I never got to meet him personally, which is a huge, obviously, regret of mine. But the players, the coaches that I have talked to since the book has been published, really is 20 years ago, which is amazing, 20 years ago uh, this fall. Um, they all said, you know, I don't know how you did this, but it's like you were in the locker room with us when you wrote this book. You were on the field with us. And I just said, well, because I did so many interviews of people that knew Brandon, I interviewed everybody from his Sunday school teachers, his youth pastors, his best friends, his pastors. I interviewed the guy who changed Brandon's oil in his car. I interviewed everybody I could that had any contact with this young man. They all told the same story about him. And it was this story of a young man of great character, of great humility, and really of great influence. You know, what's really interesting one of the last conversations he had uh, was with one of his friends um, just to, just right before he died. And uh, they said, Brandon, you're, you're going to be a, a major football player, NFL football player. You're going to be have you know millions of dollars. You're going to be really famous. You're going to be on TV. Um, I can't wait to watch you on television. And his parting line to them was, he said, you know what? I'm just Brandon Burlesworth. And one day I just want to go back to Harrison, Arkansas, live on Cherry Street near my mom. He said, I just want to be that and I want to be an influence on young kids. And ironically, that is exactly what is happening today through the Brandon Burlesworth Foundation. Uh, Brandon is, is being his legacy lives on. He's being a huge influence on on young children uh, all really all across the country. But specifically in Arkansas, they have Burles kids who go to the Colts games and who go to Arkansas Razorback games and they wear the jersey and they wear the glasses and they're all uh, representing him. Um, but it's very interesting, uh, you know, in talking to folks, everybody from the Arkansas Razorback organization, Frank Brawls, Houston, not all the way up to Bill Polian at that time uh, was with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And uh, I think Jim Mora was the coach there at the time. They just all told, again, the same story about this amazing young man. Very consistent. Yeah. And can you talk about how, I mean, his unfortunate uh, end in his life and what happened and what they think happened? Yeah, he was driving back to Harrison as he did every uh, Wednesday evening, or every Wednesday afternoon to go pick up his mom to take her to church. It's a road I've driven many times. Uh, I've driven that same route. I've uh, driven past the spot where Brandon's accident took place. And, you know, Brandon was one of these people that to cross the yellow line was like be a sin to him. I mean, he was that meticulous about, you know, being conscientious and that type of thing. Uh, something happened. We don't know what happened even to this day. It's, it's still a great mystery whether 
he he reached down to grab a cassette tape or or something fell on the floor or whether or not the truck that he that ended up hitting him crossed the line. We don't know. But one truck, as I understand, clipped his left front bumper that spun him around. And there was another like logging truck behind him. And that's the one that hit him head on. Uh, and as I understand, he was killed instantly. And so it was one of these deals where, you know, it took a while for the news to sink in. I mean, really, with the whole state of Arkansas really mourned. Uh, when Brandon passed, uh, but um, his coach, his high school coach, got the call. Uh, what's really interesting was his high school coach ended up being in in the line of traffic that was waiting uh, for the wreck to be cleared there, and he didn't even know when he passed by the wreck that it was his favorite former football player. Wow, that's tragic. Yeah, so he had a tragic early death, but I mean, his legacy lives on. You have the book, and how did that process of the book lead to this film? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I wrote the book and it was published in 2001. Of course, it made a huge impact in a lot of people's lives. And uh, one of the lives it impacted was a commercial real estate developer in, in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. He called me one day and he said, hey, I would like to talk to you about making a movie uh, based on the story in this book. And and uh, so uh, so we got together and uh, uh, initially we talked about maybe me writing the the uh, the script for the movie, but I, I didn't feel qualified to do that kind of thing. So to his credit, uh, Brian Rindle was is the guy's name. He, he says, I'm a walk on um, filmmaker and just like Brandon was a walk on football player. He spent 10 years uh, researching. He spent 10 years uh, writing, uh, interviewing people again uh, for the movie. He uh, just researching, trying to get. Uh, funding for the movie, put a lot of his own funds into the movie as well. Uh, he had great sacrifice, personal sacrifice, but he recruited these people. He flew all over the country uh, trying to get the right script for it. So it took about 10 years. And then when filming began again, he called me up and said, all right, we're ready to roll this thing. And so uh, it was great. I mean, they spent several months uh, filming this thing in, in Harrison and uh, in different places, North Ar Northwest Arkansas, Fayetteville, and then, of course, in Little Rock. I was able to be on the set for a, for a week and uh, just serve as an extra in the background and just talk to the actors and, you know, the, the director and some of the people that were involved in the film. But it was great to finally see this thing come to fruition, uh, to see this story come to life. It's given new life to the story uh, and also to the book as well. And we republished the book in 2016 under the title Greater to match uh, the title of the movie. And of course, we put a whole lot. I went through the whole book again. Uh, did an update of it, did a revision of it, you know, changed some stats that had changed, you know, since the original uh, writing. Uh, they also included some pictures from the movie set, from the movie and that type of thing. So uh, it, it's really turned out well. I still have people that buy the book from me today and buy it on Amazon. Of course, the Burlesworth Foundation uh, sells the book as well, as well as the DVD, too. And so that's really helping Brandon's legacy continue uh, with also the Burlesworth Award, which is given every year. Uh, to a football player, NCAA Division One football player, who began his career as a walk-on. And some very famous uh, people have won that award, uh, Baker Mayfield, Hunter Renfro, and others uh, who've won this. It's like the Heisman Trophy for walk-ons. So, um, you know, through that and through everything else that the, that the Burlesworth Foundation does, uh, Brandon's story continues on. And, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, I, even today, I mean, it's been, like I said, 20 years since I wrote the book. People will still come up to me and just say, hey, you know, love the book. I, you know, I had everybody from uh, Charlie um, 
Charlie Water, uh, excuse me, Cliff Harris from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he, he and his wife had read the book. I talked to uh, Gene Stallings. He used to coach with the Cowboys and, and with the University of Alabama, and uh, they were familiar with the book. I mean, there's so many people that uh, that have been impacted by this incredible story. So I don't think it's going to go away because uh, good stories like that never die. I agree, and I think that it's an example of just that steady focus to achieve your goals is really kind of his legacy. As somebody who really may not have originally been the prime athletic, you know, person or specimen. So yeah. you chose that if you really, you know, focus, you can achieve your goals. So I, I think that's really a part of that legacy. You know, that's so true. And, and it's, you know, the book is uh, in the, the opening page of the book. I dedicate this book to my three boys. And I just said, boys, here's an example you can follow. Do it the Burl's way. And that was sort of uh, the mantra that kind of caught on, the motto that caught on after his death is do it the Burl's way. You know, hard work ethic, character, uh, commitment to, to God and to family. I mean, all these things are the Burl's way. And, um, and, and to be honest, I mean, you know, this six-month process that I took in research and writing the book, there were many times that I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. And I would say to myself, hey, what would Burl's do? And if he were a writer, he wouldn't quit. And so he gave me really personal encouragement and, and even in my own life and other areas as well. I've drawn a great, uh, really great encouragement and courage from Brandon's example. Yeah, it's really something. It's a great story. Great book. Where's the best place where people can get this and, and see the movie? It's ba the movie's based on your book, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. They, they they did an independent research to, to actually um, uh, to, to uh, go back again through the story of the book as well. But uh, it's based on the on the characters I wrote in the book. And so, uh, but yeah, go to, right now. The, the You can see the movie on Netflix. It's uh, streaming on Netflix right now. Oh, uh, you nice. can get the book at Amazon.com or uh, go to the Brandon Burlsworth Foundation and uh, online and you can get it there as well. Nice. So that foundation is still active with, uh, you know, handing out handing out uh, those things. And again, the title of the book is Greater, the Brandon Burlesworth Story, published originally 2001 and then republished in the time of the film in 2016. The author's Jeff Kinley, and you can go back and listen to our earlier discussion about Aftershocks. And your website is at, and you can, is at jeffkinley.com, right? That's correct, yes. So, and can people get the book there too if they want to, or re if they want to reach out to you, contact you through that? Yes, they can reach out to me through the uh, through the website. Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to add, or anything I missed before we wrap it up? No, I just say it was just a great privilege, uh, an honor for me to be able to write Brandon's story. I mean, I you know, uh, for what it's worth, it it it, uh, it wrote his story into Arkansas Razorback history. Uh, eventually someone would have done it, but I think that uh, God wanted me to do it. And uh, a lot of people's lives have been changed and I just feel uh, honored to be a part of his story. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing the story. Again, it's Jeff Kinley, title of the book, Greater, the Brandon Burlesworth Story. Thank you so much. Thank you, William. All right, stay there. Stay there.